Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by the fantastic Lauren Schuster. Lauren is Chief People Officer and Head of Corporate Affairs for the Lego Group, a brand that we know worldwide and adore. Now, Lauren's had a very interesting background and experience, not only leveraging the people agenda to live a, a critical business strategic outcomes uh, globally, but he's also committed to driving Lego's group reputation in a multifaceted role. In addition to the day job, Lauren also holds a number of portfolio pieces, in addition, including board trustee with the Institute of Business Ethics in the UK. And he's also held a number of senior leadership positions working for household name blue chip organisations such as Google, Nokia and others. He holds an MBA and exec master's in organisational psychology from INSEAD and a bachelor's of commerce from McGill University. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks, Leila. Great to be here. And thanks for your interest in the Lego group. Thank you so much for joining. I must say, I am a admirer of the work that you do and the authenticity with which you bring your leadership to such a, a well-known brand, not only for, for kids, but adults alike as well. But tell me a little bit more about how you came to be where you are today, both personally and professionally. For those that don't know you, perhaps as well as I do. Very good. Well, I'll try and make it short since I'm approaching 52 years old. So there's a lot to share when you reach uh, my Still age. Still a spring the, chicken, Lauren. Still a spring okay. chicken. <laughs> but the, 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 the short version of my, of my story is, you know, I'm born and bred in Montreal in Canada and always actually from a very young age had a very strong intuitive sense that the world outside of the community that I grew up in was where I was going to kind of find my my path, so, so to speak. And I, uh, a couple of weeks after I graduated from McGill University, so literally three weeks after, I kind of hit the road and I've been on the road ever since. I've been really, really fortunate to be able to fulfill my aspiration to create an international life. I've lived and worked in 11 different countries. I'm married to a Malaysian Chinese woman. We have two boys, 17 and 15, who are kind of half Jewish, half Chinese, if you slice and dice it that way. So definitely intersectional in, in our household. And then professionally, I actually, this is my first HR role. I spent my whole career in commercial roles, in marketing roles, a lot of time in Asia and emerging markets, but always had a very deep interest in my own personal development and team development, leadership, different modalities of uh, human potential movement. And that led to a lot of exploration from very esoteric activities to more academic, like my second master's in organizational psychology, to explore, you know, human dynamics, uh, team dynamics, system dynamics. And that ultimately is what led to me taking on the chief people officer role at the Lego group. 
which I initially started as the chief commercial officer and then transitioned four years ago, and also then taking on the corporate affairs agenda. So I've been super, super lucky and feel very fortunate to be working with such a, an amazing brand and you could see some of our, our wonderful products behind me. Wow, what a journey. And I'm trying not to sound too biased here when I say this, but I genuinely find that the vast majority of really forward-thinking, innovative CHROs and chief people officers are those that have come from commercial or strategic backgrounds and haven't necessarily been within the people function, quote-unquote, for their entire careers. And interestingly, it's, uh, I mean, it's a very interesting juxtaposition in terms of some of the roles that you have to date because there is a human-centric leadership to all of this, yet there is the deep commercial strategy. And to your point, looking at communication and, and, and corporate affairs actually is something that's so very, very needed when it comes to holistic diversity, inclusion, belonging, intersectionality in the modern world that we find ourselves in as progressing at the pace of knots and has done over the last decade or so. But that certainly is a, a nutshell and a half when it comes to personal and mm. professional experiences that you've had. And I must mention as well, the, the piece around your, your Malay wife, like yourself, I am in a, well, I say a blended marriage where you are first little boy very soon, but there Before. is the added layers of, thank you, the added layers of those different cultures and how they interweave with which to shape leadership experiences and and it sounds very much like not only the personal but also the professional has shaped how your leadership style has has unfolded over the years talk to us a little bit about the personal side and you know again you know did, did some of the personal factors in your life drive some of the professional outcomes Mm, well, de definitely, definitely. I, I mean, I come from a Jewish family, as I, I mentioned before. While my parents were born and bred in Canada, my grandparents were from Eastern Europe and from Russia, and they had to escape the precursor to the Holocaust in World War II. And they, you know, like many Jewish families from that, that region, lost their family or members of their family and came to Canada um, as immigrants without being able to speak the language, without very much money and had to build a life really from scratch. So that that has had a huge impact on how I viewed education. It's always been very important to, to my grandparents, how I been witnessing, you know, how hard it is, you know, to get by in life. And it requires a lot of discipline and hard work. And those are qualities that I think I have adopted as well. And then interestingly enough, as I met my wife, and it's probably one of the most important decisions you make, in your life is who you choose and who chooses you to be your life partner. And I've been very fortunate. I've been together with my wife for 20 years and we think we're in for the long haul, but that's been a very important decision. And, and that's, it's given me a lot of exposure to Chinese overseas, Chinese culture. And our, you know, we're not, we're not religious per, per se in any way. And we're quite progressive. And I find the beautiful thing about different cultures and having a progressive mindset is being able to, to kind of pick and choose the elements 
that resonate with you from different cultures, different backgrounds, different uh, religions. And, and that's really what we've managed to create for ourselves in our household. We celebrate some of the Jewish holidays, some of the Chinese holidays. We interpret them in a way that is meaningful to us. And we are always inviting a whole wide range of, of people to celebrate with us these different occasions who may not have had that exposure before, because I think one of the lessons that I've learned in my life that's been most important is that you need to be curious and about different cultures and different backgrounds. If you want to understand yourself, it helps to understand others and then be able to make a kind of an informed decision about what kind of values and what kind of life you want to establish for yourself, for your family, for your community. I adore that we're already diving deep into the wonders of intersectionality. And you pointed out so beautifully there that there are so many different diversities. There is diversity that is visible and sits above the surface level. There's also all of the richness of, of culture and experiences that one would not know unless they ask the question. And much like yourself, I, mean, I would love to learn more and more about Chinese and East Asian culture, being adopted by white British parents and manage, uh, marrying eventually a, an American Greek who happened to spend through pure chance over 10 years in China. I oh, dare wow. say he's a little more Chinese than I am. So the running joke in the family is that he can speak, I can't. It's very confusing when we end up going to a Chinese restaurant and they look from side to side. <laughs> in awe as to who, what, why, where, and how that actually happened. But so grateful of you sharing some of the personal background. You've got two very lucky sons indeed to have such wonderful, open-minded parents who are all up for celebrating every different facet of, of, of culture. And in the modern world, that's so terribly important as we become more diverse, not only as a nation, but as a, as a global community, which I know, again, you talk very much about this when it comes to a lot of your professional experience, quote unquote, a Lego group and, and have been well known for doing so within many of your other formative roles and even in the in the business ethics position that you hold as, as a side note, which I think is a perfect segue perhaps for us to be talking now a little bit more about some of the current work that you're doing in Lego groups, some of your priorities, enablers, and how this incredible mixture of different aspects of diversity start to really play their part. I could speak about this for a long time, but again, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and keep it short and then you can uh, you could poke around whatever you're most curious, Leila. But I think there's no greater brand or company to be on this journey of diversity and inclusion than the Lego group. I mean, it's it's our mission to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow, which is really about inspiring and developing children to enable them to have the creativity, the 21st century skills that are needed to thrive in the world of, of the future. And Obviously, when you have an audience of global children, and children are the least biased in the world, children come into the earth completely open-minded, and it's really the conditioning that uh, we enforce upon them as parents uh, in the schooling system that then eventually leads to the biases that we're tr all trying to unpack to create greater cohesion. So it's at really at the heart of who we are as a brand at the Lego Group. Then maybe more specifically, the way we view the agenda 
from a people perspective is we have two, two priorities. One priority is valuing differences. And the second priority is to improve representation. And one is the diversity part and the other is the inclusion part. And I'm sure you read a lot about, or I know you read a lot about the topic and, and there's debates as to what's more important. Is it about the representation? Is it about the inclusion? Now people talk about belonging and equity and, 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 and they're all interrelated and, and they're codependent. You can't get the inclusion without pursuing better representation of the world around you. And you can't get truly representative workforce unless there's a sense of inclusion that attracts people to your workplace. So those are the two highest level abstraction of, of our DNI agenda. Then when you dive deeper into it, we have six key priorities. I'll call them out, but it won't go into a huge amount of detail. One is to is about engaging employees. Two is to actually build inclusion capability. And there, there's a lot of training and a lot of engagement in that. Three is to connect global and local because there's different diversity and inclusion themes in different parts of the world that we could all learn and benefit from as a global company. The fourth is to improve systems and processes. I'm a huge believer in this. It's the mechanistic approach to it, but it's so critical that if you don't change your processes, if you don't put the right incentives in place to reward the right behavior, then it's going to be very hard just to rely on people's good intent. And I believe in people's good intent. And at the Lego Group, I believe all Lego Group employees have the right intention, but you need to create the systems and the structures to translate that intent into outcomes. Then is to build insights and to monitor progress. That's about the data that we're able to collect and then share our progress. And then last is to build our reputation, both internally and externally, as a company that walks the talk in terms of diversity and inclusion. So, and then under those six enablers, we have 18 actions. I'm definitely not going <laughs> to list them, but there's a whole set of activities. And I think maybe to, to end what, what I've discovered being responsible for this and leading this agenda within the Lego group with, of course, other executives is that you need to really tackle this agenda in a multifaceted way uh, because it deals with the complexity of human beings and it deals with the complexity of the world around us which by definition means you need to look at many different levers if you really want to drive systemic change. I've said it better myself. And again, I'm, I'm trying here not to dive deep because I could easily dive deep into every single one of the facets there that you mentioned. But ultimately, this is no one size fits all methodology. To your point, and we touched on it on the personal side both earlier, is how can we ultimately connect global audiences and also ensure that they are you know perfectly attuned to our local dialogue and language and cultures which are required there you know top down and bottom up as well as all of the complexities across those various different facets whilst also having you know hearts and minds of leadership which I believe you do incredibly well at, at Lego and hearing execs like yourself speak out creating that trickle effect and that safe space ultimately that allows others to feel that they do truly belong yet 
without having, you know, the systematic processes, mechanisms, you know, the facts and the hard data and the actions beyond the lip service? How do we ever truly move the dial beyond just, you know, the hearts, the minds, the, you know, the positive intent? Ultimately, um, you know, what's really brilliant about some of the, the work I've seen you lead at Lego Group and beyond is that you have a systematic approach to enablement whilst also having senior leadership buy in and knowing that there is such a wonderful platform here with Lego as a well known brand loved by many to affect early intervention and change when it comes to comes to our youth again something I have to look forward to and I'm sure be asking much of your advice Lauren, when it comes to parenthood but the fact that you are able to really inspire and educate our youth is something that's so interesting because I remember I remember being back at school not learning about you know what some of these different aspects of diversity and inclusion would mean being able to to do that in the context of you know a fun brand a purposeful brand is is very very powerful indeed absolutely and i'm glad you brought it up uh, leila because uh, actually and we're far from perfect i mean this this journey dni for for all of us as individuals and as organizations it, i mean it's an endless uh, journey and it is really one of the defining issues uh, of our time uh, along with sustainability along with digitalization so it's 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 something that we're constantly trying to look in the mirror and and get better at. But when you talk about that accountability or that responsibility to help children relate to the tapestry of diversity in the world and and the fact that we deliver playful learning experiences and have an opportunity to weave that in, it's an important responsibility. So something that we've actually done, which I'm exceptionally proud of, is we partnered with UNICEF and we did a thorough audit of how we develop our products, how we develop our communication platforms and messaging. And we agreed on or built what we call a DNI playbook which is something that is inspiring all of our designers, our Lego agency, and everyone involved in the product development process and the go-to-market process to ensure that our brand can deliver messages that resonate to the marketplace and live up to our aspiration of being a truly inclusive brand that embraces all children around the world. I'll touch on your point there where you mention evolutionary and no one being perfect. I, I, I believe much in the same vein that this evolution, it's almost like culture, isn't it? You know, you think mm. of culture, it's living, it's breathing, it's it's sleeping. We never get to that point. And certainly as, you know, those that, you know, like yourself and I are incredibly passionate about the people experience, where we go, hey, do you know what culture? That's done now. We're sorted. It is this evolution in that I'm sure our children, our children, children, our future generations of leaders will view diversity in very, very different ways in which we may well, you know, identify ourselves now. 
now and language game being one of those you know communications expert I know you are you kind of take LGBTQ plus and think wow you know it was only a number of years ago where actually certain legalities were changing and and those are very very different in in in, in many countries you know still still illegal in many countries so you know we look at the language that that takes its form and it's now LGBT LGBTQ plus IA etc etc and 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 kids I'm sure will, will see things in different lights but one of the things I saw and it's you know it's a famous thing that has done the rounds on online with social media is um, you know the the pride colors within the lego building blocks and mm. I just it just it brings a smile to my face and it makes me think hey you know whilst none of us are perfect we're learning we're building we're growing on this journey and where we can impact kids they can understand all these different colors and they they see that adults as well it's just so you know it's exciting it is to you know it's it's a rich tapestry to a point you know the world is such a rich smorgasbord of different ideas and cultures you know how can we keep on building and and growing that wherever possible and you know to have you know the, the the partnership with unicef you know, and to watch this this world evolve, especially with everything that's happening within you know the environmental, social, governments, or ESG side of things, it is fascinating. You know, we did a lot of partnership work with the seventeen sustainable development goals with our ten facets, and. You kind of you realize almost you're watching these pistons go up and down. None of us can be perfect at any one time, but you know what you're saying in essence is we need to find the equitable places where we can put in support and dedicated uh, you know interventions to rise up the areas that we are perhaps less good at and you know and so the cycle continues no absolutely and it's interesting that you mentioned the the sdgs and i think every company has to find their authentic way to represent different aspects of the the agenda and at least at, at the lego group you know because learning through play is kind of our core value proposition. And 25% of the Lego group is owned by the Lego Foundation, which really aims to bring the benefits of learning through play to, to children, many who are who are disadvantaged. So we very much focus on quality education, one of the SDGs, where we think we have a very unique opportunity to deliver a relevant experience to, to children, but in a way that's authentic to, to our brand. Love to cut back on that point around the foundation, if I may, Lauren, because I know being passionate about business ethics and again, we, we, we talked about UN SDGs, UNICEF, you know, the, the evolution of how, you know, business for good is often supported by, you know, various foundational pieces we have a foundation uh, running alongside our purpose and impact business yes in a much much smaller way the brand that is lego but i still to this day have the odd exec saying really is it sensical to have so much emphasis on not-for-profit related activity and it's a it's a conversation that gets me every time to say well you know, look at how S is exploding off the scenes and look at what's happened over the last decade. You know, arguably, will S be now for the next 10 years what E would be? And this is why the Lego model, the strategic model is so interesting. If you wouldn't mind, I'd I'd love you to explain a little bit more about how this works, because for me, that is something that is so smart from a 
business perspective, whilst, of course, doing all of the right things as well and um, being something that genuinely does send the lift back down and, and make a true difference. You know, it's not all, you know, it's purpose over profit, ultimately. No, and it's 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 a fantastic point, and I think the the Lego Group is is a unique example in in the sense that the the owner family had the foresight, you know, decades ago to establish the ownership structure of the Lego Group, and to establish the foundation that twenty five percent of the Lego Group of our profit go to the foundation each and every year. And I think that also says something about our Danish roots. There are other Danish companies that also structure themselves in this way, which I think exemplifies the Northern European kind of philosophy and orientation towards the the balance between business and growth and development and supporting and engaging the community that's, that's around. So I think it's deeply ingrained in the roots and the genetics uh, of the company, which makes me proud to, to, to be here. And I think you could you could argue or, or build the argument for why businesses need to be more socially orientated or why they should be pursuing the ES, ESG agenda from multiple vantage points. I mean, you could use the regulatory one. I mean, frankly speaking, the the regulatory environment and governments are waking up to the role that businesses have to play in terms of at least transparency, but certainly in terms of the environmental commitments that businesses need to make, given that businesses are creating a large environmental footprint. Powerful argument is, of course, the moral argument that, you know, as businesses cater to different audiences, and in our case, to, to children, how could we not look at the communities in which we're benefiting from and our product and our brand are benefiting from without investing and engaging in the underrepresented part of those communities. So that's the, you know, a more of a moral argument. And I think the third one, uh, and each is, is equally relevant, but ideally you look at it holistically. The third is that consumers and shoppers and the, the next generation, not exclusive to the next generation, but certainly consumers and shoppers are increasingly demanding and asking of the brands that they admire or that they use for them to have a, what is their position on a number of different topics? Are these brands investing in a sustainable future, whether that's from a community perspective, social sustainability, or from an environmental sustainability perspective. So I think that businesses just need to be attuned to what consumers and shoppers and different stakeholders are doing and hopefully respond in a proactive and meaningful way. Laura, I'm trying to find something that I disagree with you on because I feel like I keep nodding my head here. I must ask you about some of the challenges perhaps you have experienced. I feel I need to balance out the conversation. What I will say here is you've, again, identified one of the the subjects I love speaking about the most, and that is this evolution of, of leadership and what is now required by future generations, by younger generations in particular in the workforce, their expectations on leadership, CEOs, senior executives like yourself, they expect 
brands and their leadership to speak out about these societal issues. You know, you look at the, you know, last decade or, or, or so, gone are the white ivory towered kind of days of, of archetypal leadership. And now we live in such a world of openness, transparency, where, you know, especially with, with, with you know, the digital world and digital interventions, there's almost far less places for people and brands to hide. We, you know, as organizations and some of the largest organizations like yours in the world manage hundreds of thousands of employees and customers. And so, you know, playing this absolute critical role in making sure action is driven to actually drive sustainable change for the future and represent the communities, the customers, the shareholders in which we serve becomes more and more important. On challenges, Lauren, I must ask for some challenges. I've got to find something somehow that I, I, I disagree with you on or we're able to have you know, a constructive argument about, so to speak. But talk to me about some of the challenges that you've experienced. Because, you know, again, looking at your personal background, it's a it's really unique background in that you're working with government, you're working with the employees, the, the shareholders, yet you're also doing that with such a commercial bent. What have been some of the challenges? What do you think are some of the challenges that organisations really face today if they're not, say, looking at S and or indeed E as being at the heart and soul of that, the business strategy. Layla, you would know that. I mean, there, there's no shortage of challenges in, in the world today. I mean, we're, it seems like we're moving into a time in history that we're just facing, you know, one crisis after another crisis. And, you know, this, this so-called VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world around us is our day-to-day existence. And that's putting enormous strain and stress on individuals, on teams, organizations, and governments. And that's that's creating a paradigm of how do organizations create a safe environment and a secure environment for employees to protect their well-being, to protect their, their mental well-being, when you're dealing from crisis to crisis. So whether it's COVID and now uh, the the war in in Ukraine, supply chain issues, uh, inflationary pressure, it's just enormous amount of challenges to, to deal with. Then of course, there's, if you look at from an environmental responsibility perspective, it's clear that all stakeholders in the ecosystem need to be doing more. And the demands are there, but not all this, the results, not all, not all the solutions. You can't just buy off the shelf solutions that replace you know, inputs that we've been using for many years with more environmentally or sustainable inputs from a raw material perspective. So there's this push and pull that's happening. And it's about how do you find the right pace that allows you to invest demonstrate progress, but also keep the business at a sustainable level. So those would be some, but I could go on with uh, many, many other challenges we're dealing with. Before we run out of time today, Lauren, I'd love to ask a couple of lightning round questions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you maybe 30 seconds to answer each of these before trying my very best to prepare a very short summary of some of the learning points. We've covered some serious ground, I must say, in today's podcast. But let me start with the most difficult question first. <laughs> and that is, what would you say 
is your secret to success or, or is there one? Oh, I don't know if I think of myself successful, but if success is, you know, being reasonably content most of the time and not having too many complaints, then, then yes, I could say that I'm successful. I, I think one I referred to before is, is actually, you know, finding the right partner in life. My wife has played an incredibly supportive and active role in helping to shape me who I am. I'm also a very disciplined person. So I'm disciplined about maintaining my health and well-being to, to be able to deal and address the challenges around me. And probably I pay attention to and I've invested in maintaining a wide range of relationships over many years from different educational programs I've done or different countries that I've lived in. And having that wide network has been super supportive and nourishing to my own development. Networks are Absolutely key. Long-term sustainable relationship. Super answer. And how about, I know it's a, a word that's perhaps overused, shall we say, these days, but authenticity. What is authentic leadership to you? Yeah, it's a tricky one. But I guess in, in my view, it's, it's about facing reality as it's unfolding in, in kind of each and every moment. So it's a little bit from my, my mindfulness practice. But it's just trying to relate to what's going on for you internally, what emotions are you experiencing, what thoughts are you experiencing, and taking the time to reflect and process so that you could then engage with others from a less conditioned and a less defensive position. I'm reflecting in as you are saying that, and I'm sure many others as well. It's often hard as a, a leader, isn't it? Especially when you're so ambitious, you like by yourself, is looking at how far there is to go up that mountain. Sometimes it's even more challenging looking and celebrating how far has already has has gone and, and, and the path trodden already to be able to reflect and to to move forward as much uh, positive attitude as possible. And finally, I, I wonder if you could go back in time, resilience has clearly been key to you over the years. But if you could go back in time to, to the really early days before you embarked on, on this fascinating career, which held many different strands, what advice might you give to your, your younger self or, or perhaps someone who's been in a similar circumstance mm. as yourself? Mm. Well, at least to my younger self, I'd probably shake myself and say, you don't know as much as you think <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think many of us could remember, I certainly can remember, uh, as I was growing up and well into my 20s and 30s, thinking that I had many of the answers, if not most of the answers. And, you know, one of the, the benefits of, of getting older is you gain uh, wisdom and perspective. And I would just remind my younger self that, listen, there's, there's a lot to learn. It's a complex world. Uh, keep an open mind, uh, travel, explore, engage diverse groups of people. And that will help, you know, cultivate the curiosity that is needed to be on a continuous learning journey. Uh, because once you stop learning, I think you stop growing. And once you stop growing as a human being, then I think life just diminishes and loses all of its textures and colors. 
What a great philosophical note to end the podcast on. Lauren, thank you ever so much indeed. I will do my very best here to to summarise what has been a rich and fruitful conversation because I tell you we've covered so much ground. Some of the things that I particularly enjoyed from today's session have been this rich smorgasbord and tapestry of, of different areas and facets of diversity, intersectionality. It's one of my very favourite subjects. And, you know, right through from the early journey and years, you know, you're talking about your ethnicity, nationality, you know, wife, children, parenthood, cultures, tenacity required. You can see how that has woven through the branches and the leaves of, of some of the uh, career milestones that you have had and, and clearly been very successful in. We touched again on the importance of organisations taking incredibly seriously action and words. You know, the fact that this is, you know, this is a hearts and minds piece. This is something where having our, our leaders really, truly speak out from a place of, of, of true honesty, candidness and, and authenticity is critical in order to drive the trickle effect downwards and to, to truly see the benefit within the culture of those organisations. But also knowing that there is no one dimensional singular approach to success. This is, you know, the data, the analytics, all of the fabulously geeky pieces that I know that we could talk about, I'm sure, forever and a day on another podcast, but also ensuring that, you know, we have this continual cycle of, of learning, education and development, because there is no one silver bullet to success. Actually, the hard work, the tenacity, the requirements that sit below the surface and also making sure that we put those processes, those interventions, the, the, the VUCA world that we live in right now, all of those various things are addressed. And for, for organisations, ultimately, I hear you know, from, from various different places of this podcast, absolutely must sit up and pay attention to this because doing good for business and society and future generations of leaders makes a huge amount of commercial sense as well for organisations that really do want to stay ahead of the curve and remain as competitive and innovative as they ought to be. And finally, the, the business structural makeup. I think that's it's such an unusual and interesting concept that I think we really need to be paying more and more attention to, especially in the Western world and, and some of our developing organizations that have a global global footprint you know businesses like lego group and many have got the transformative power to be able to change and contribute to a more open and diverse and inclusive society and we can really only accomplish this by starting as we've heard from lauren within our organizations but really driving systematic change in particular for early education something that businesses can affect so um thank you thank you so much for inspiring us today lauren honestly so many learning nuggets there and glimmers of wisdom that I know many people will benefit from. Thank you very much, uh, Leila, and keep up your important and super impactful work. It's much appreciated. Thank you so much. My name is Leila McKenzie Dallas, founder and CEO of Dar Global and the McKenzie Dallas Charitable Foundation. 
We've been joined today by a remarkable individual, Lauren Schuster of Lego Group. If you've missed any learnings, do not worry whatsoever. All the show notes will be available post today's podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast app, inside our Dial Global Network app. And if you need any special accessibility, don't hesitate to reach out to the team or I if you'd like a transcript or any other method to consume the learnings today. In the meantime, do take care and visit us at www www.dialglobal.org forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for watching the Diverse and Inclusive Leaders podcast. Please do feel free to hit the like button below, or if you'd like to receive future notifications, do ping the notification bell here at the side. If you're interested in the audio version only, you can find it on the following streaming platforms. Any extra info and descriptions will be in the links below. Look forward to seeing you soon.